0: Hello and welcome to the Minds on the Frontline podcast, brought to you by the Wayne State University Frontline Strong Together 5 program. The Minds on the Frontline podcast is designed to inform, educate, and entertain first responders, their families, and the public regarding the realities of frontline work related mental health challenges. In this episode, we will introduce you to Dr. Ali Amasadri, who is currently the Chief Medical Officer for the Department of Psychiatry and Associate Chair for Clinical Services at Wayne State University, as well as an Associate Professor at Wayne State University School of Medicine. Dr. A has a long history and vast experience in the world of mental and behavioral health. In addition, he is one of the driving forces behind the Frontline Strong Together 5 program, or FST-5. We are also joined by Manisha Leary, a clinical therapist and the program manager of FST5. During this episode, Dr. A will describe how our developmental experiences determine how we function socially, professionally, and personally throughout our lives. Then, Doc will help us appreciate the spectrum of emotions and reactions that can manifest from a perceived stress. This turned out to be a fantastic episode that provides a solid foundation of how and why neuro connections develop in our early years and how they impact our reactions and choices throughout our lives. And now, our hosts, Jeff Lassers and Mike Mattern. Good morning, Michael. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm good, Jeffrey. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Welcome back to our third episode of the Minds on the Frontline podcast. I did not meet our guest until we really had a chance to interview him. Now, you, on the other hand, have been around him for at least over a year now. I've been hearing about the great Dr. A. But give everybody an overview of Dr. A and what they can expect in this episode.
1: Dr. A is one of the most analytical clinicians that I've met. He's a smart individual. He takes the time to really dig deep and down on the the most basic level of what makes us us. In this episode, what you're going to hear is just that Dr. A is going to talk about us as humans, not first responders, not firefighters, police, EMS, dispatch, corrections. He's going to talk about us as humans. How we are brought up and our experiences prior to being first responders really affect how we act as first responders, how the job makes us react to what we are doing. And what it really puts those puzzle pieces together is, as first responders, when something happens, okay, we act this way, and everybody acts a different way depending on the situation that they're in. But what he really digs down into is us as human beings, the human reaction. Because at the end of the day, we're all first responders, but before we were ever a first responder, we're human. And all these reactions and all these feelings and all these thoughts after these traumatic events or 20 years of dealing with traumatic events, all of those are really a human reaction. We are humans. We are all wired the same. We are all built the same. And that's what he's really going to explain is that element of why we are like we are as human beings, as people, as Mike and as Jeff, not as firefighters.
0: Right. Right. I felt that he did an amazing job distilling down to the basics. Absolutely. Just what it is. And he lays it out in a way that uh, the common first responder, I think, can really appreciate. And the other thing I really enjoyed about him is that he expressed and showed to me that he not only has a huge amount of experience with first responders in this path, he's seen the do's and the don'ts enough for us to go, we should be listening when he talks. Absolutely. That He's
1: an individual that he's a student of the game. Yeah. He really likes to, to dig deep down into the basic level and set that bedrock down to build upon for everything else. And that's really what he does on this episode is he sets that bedrock down of, okay, here we are. This is what we normally are. This is what we are as humans. Now we can build up on why things start happening. And that's what I really think he hit a home run with.
0: Yeah, this is not a long one, but it goes super quick anyway. And we don't want to forget Manisha Leary. Thank you very much, Manisha Leary, yes. for uh, being on this episode with us. We couldn't forget you. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Integral part of the team. Absolutely. All right, we'll enjoy the show. Hi, Doctor A.
2: Good morning. Good morning.
0: How are you? Good morning.
2: I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. You?
0: I'm pretty good. What are you, Mikey? Oh, I'm I'm fantastic, man. I'm here hanging out with you guys. Yeah, Manisha, good?
3: I'm awesome. Yeah, it's a great day.
0: Well, everybody's met us, but nobody's met Dr. A. Dr. A, can you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and where you do it?
2: My name is Ali Amisadri. I am uh, an employee of Wayne State University and Wayne Health. At this point in time, uh, I carry the position of the Chief Medical Officer for Department of Psychiatry and Associate Chair for Clinical Services. And uh, I'm an associate professor of psychiatry at Wayne State University School of Medicine. I am in program development in general. I see patients. And my background uh, particularly has been in acute care psychiatry, emergency psychiatry. And that is uh, where I have received my best joys and uh, most mourning that I have seen and witnessed. Currently, I'm focusing on establishment of a reasonable but close to perfect program for our first responders in the state of Michigan. That's it.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, sir. How long have you been doing all that?
2: Uh, I believe that uh, when I started, I didn't have any gray hair <laughs> More than thirty I years I've this. I started going yeah. great early, so I feel you, buddy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> At least we still got it, right? It's still there.
2: Of course. I enjoy it in fact.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. My wife likes it. <laughs> um so you're here to really help us really establish the spectrum of behavioral health problems and crises that we as human beings tend to experience. So can you give us the overview of things like anxiety, depression, PTSD, substance abuse, suicide? You get it, right? That whole big spectrum that we might encounter. I know it's a big ask, but the idea being to really demystify that group of things that we may experience as something that can't be fixed. Mm -hmm.
2: This is a very complicated but excellent question. So you have to bear with me a little bit. Please. And uh, I'm going to talk about human beings, then we'll focus on first responders. Because first responders are human beings like anybody else. They are not quote-unquote uh, heroes and Superman or any of that. So what happens is that as our brain develops in general from the beginning, we have to create connections between these cells which are called neurons in our brain. And as we interact with anybody else, the first interaction is with the mother and those who are around us when we are born. We start creating these connections. The more connection we have, the more of these synapses we are going to create. And those interactions that we have with others around us will dictate us what type of connection we are going to create. In other words, if I have a supportive environment of care, a caring mother, if I have people who are around me loving and caring for me, if whenever I'm hungry, milk is provided, if the mother and others touch me and my skin, all those and each one of these will create networks in my brain. The more these types of caring situations are provided to me, the more networks will be created in that arena, and these networks will become thicker. In other words, the more repeated caring environment, the harder for this network to go away, because our brain also will go through a process of pruning, in other words. At some point, very soon, these neurons and connections which are being created, nature says now is the time that you have to prune them. So what will be pruned? Those will be pruned which have not received as much stimulation. So the networks that we create as we are born are going to stick around. And they will determine how I'm going to function socially, professionally, personally, in my life. So now imagine that for whatever reason, in my personal life as I'm born, I give you some examples. My mother has a mental illness and is not able to provide me the care that she needs to. My parents have a conflict and they argue. The mother doesn't have enough milk, doesn't understand that I am hungry the finances are such that electricity is not there and I'm cold or hot. And hundreds of examples. Those types of hardships also create networks. And that will determine how I'm going to think about my life and my surroundings. So although all of us are going to be looking like quote-unquote normal, which I don't know what it means. But at the same time, we all have struggles. There is nobody who hasn't had these types of struggles. Depending on the struggles that you have had, depending on the networks which has been created in your brain, your responses will be different. So I may face some hardship when I'm an adult, And that hardship will become a source of motivation for me to take care of. And for another person, will be paralyzing and very stressful for that individual based on our backgrounds that we have had and based on our genetic load. So when you talk to give you an overview, I believe this is the part that we have to consider first, that people look the same, they are very different. And depending on the type of upbringing and the type of current surrounding and the intensity of the stressful situation, we may react or act differently. One person may become anxious. Under the same circumstances, another person will become depressed. And the third person will become anxious and depressed. One person at work may become stressed out and burned out. Another person may become very angry and act out. And the third person might become angry and take charge of things wanting to fix it. So it all depends on multiple or hundreds of variables which exist in our lives every single day. So having said that, in general, when we cannot cope for whatever reason, we cannot cope with a perceived stress, we react to it as I mentioned. And I say perceived stress because maybe one circumstance will be very difficult for me to tackle. And for you, probably you even don't understand that there is a stress, depending on what we discussed. Because we emotionally react differently and process the information differently. There are some people who under Little stress may become frazzled and some people may become psychotic. Another person may become violent. One person may walk away. The other individual will do something else. So depending on our personality structure, which has been created, our reactions to stressful circumstances will be the result of all that we have endured in our lives. Now what we call depression or anxiety are normal. Anger, the same. Why? Because these are things which are given to us that we want and we need to communicate what goes on inside of us. In other words, emotions are created for us to be able to communicate what goes on inside us to another individual. The problem is that the other individual who is in front of me probably hasn't read the book of nature, is not educated about it. So they may misinterpret what I'm expressing. And based on that, that will create a conflict. And the seed of all these that goes on is the failure of our negotiation with each other and inside ourselves. If we learn this language and understand it, then we realize that the other person who's anxious is trying to tell me that I'm scared, I'm worried. And we will react very differently than saying, oh, that's going to go away. Reassurance is fine, but minimizing is bad. Although there is no good or bad in life in general, but this is how the culture has taught us to think this way. The question of array of um, illnesses, if we call it illnesses, or disorders, is as such that we artificially have put certain boundaries around certain symptoms, and we call them anxiety disorder depression psychosis etc when in reality the body goes through whole other stuff and it is good that we have these because we need to communicate with each other professionally and personally but at the same time we should not get hung up on those because the human being, regardless of their illness or emotion, are human beings Many times we forget to treat the individual and help the individual, rather we will focus on quote-unquote, this guy has anxiety disorder and these are the things that I have to do, without realizing where he or she came from and realizing that there are many other needs that this individual has, is trying to tell me, help me, rather than passing a judgment and putting a label on me and pushing some pills or etc. By saying what I mentioned, I would like you to be a little bit more specific about what area you want me to focus on.
0: I have no idea how to answer that. I feel like I need to change the question to match that answer. (laughs) 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 No, you nailed it. I think you just nailed it. I think you did that. Uh, I think you were able to redefine and re-educate me on the fact that to even have that discussion of all these different things, you need to first start with everything you described.
3: One of the most important parts about what you said is that for first responders, they will get, they get inundated, well, most people, they get inundated with so much information on the internet about what they think they have, what they don't have, what they, you know, diagnosing themselves. And the reality is, is that's For us as clinicians, we have to do such in-depth assessments before we can even give you that diagnosis. So those detailed psychosocial assessments, which people don't like to go through, tells us all the things that we not need to know because that will happen over establishment of treatment and time that we have, but it helps us to make sure that we can try to lead you in the right direction before sending you down a million different treatment paths that may not work for you or trying a million different medications or different methods that may not work for you. So it's important that we we center on who the person is versus, oh, okay, you think you have a depression? Well, let me give you something for your depression.
1: And I think that's hard for first responders because we are so ingrained with we see a problem yes. and then we fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's foreign to us for somebody to go, okay, well, we see something going on let's take some time to figure this out because in our lines at work, we don't have time to just sit down and figure it out. So I think that's why a lot of first responders get frustrated going in there and they're like, I want something right now, mm-hmm. fix it right now. Yeah. And and I think that's where that, that comes from is that we are so ingrained with that. We have problem A, this is how we fix problem A, let's move on. Right. And yeah. and that's where I think you have to realize like you guys are talking about it, it's way more in depth than that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. just. This is true, but what you mentioned and also Manisha mentioned is something which brought to my mind, s- several things came to mind. We should not forget, as I mentioned, before you become a first responder, you are a human being. We never have focused on the human being mm-hmm. as the first responder. What we want to do is say, we are all the same. We have similar reactions.
3: Mm-hmm. In other
2: words... We are all like unfinished books from birth until the last breath. When we take the last breath, the last chapter is not finished yet because the last chapter will finish when the grieving process of those around us Mm -hmm. are going to go through, and we are not there. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is that each interaction that you have with the public is one paragraph of one chapter of your book. So it is never ending. And what needs to happen when you go and ask and or seek for help is to learn to be honest with whoever is around you. Try to be honest. It's difficult to be honest. But try to be honest so they can understand you to the best of their ability and work with you to make you understand what you are going through. Because our brain, in general, is not made to understand. It is made to survive. And as a first responder, you are always in the conflict of helping, but at the same time, protecting. Who? Both individuals. You can't do what you want to do. You have to do what is presented to you as the first responder to do. Why? Because the stuff that they have presented you to do are things that have worked. But the form or presentations of illnesses are very different. So you go and try to help someone, and the individual is going to reject you, yell at you, and... Possibly become violent towards you. You don't expect that. So your defense mechanisms will go up immediately. And when such a thing is created, the expectation next time is going to be defensive as you approach. And that creates the barriers immediately. So this is a very complicated issue that we are asking for our first responders to be at your best behavior comply with all regulations, and be as helpful as you can be and understand the situation. It is, in other words, impossible to do this unless someone has gone through tremendous training and repeating similar scenarios as they have been going through their training or with their colleagues. And that's why you probably may see, if you find... A first responder who has not been traumatized, that they are much more mellow and resolve issues probably with ease. When the person who has joined is going to have high blood pressure, they are going to be tense and uptight, they may start sweating and all these things. When the other guy who has been around will have none of these reactions. Why? Because of the exposure, because of lack of expectation that the other person has and is confused why this guy that I'm trying to save his life is acting as such with me. So it's a very complicated picture. And that's what we are trying to do with the FST-5 to make people understand we are all human beings. We all make mistakes. But we learn. We should learn from our mistakes. Then it won't be. In fact, there is no mistake, as we call it. It is that... I'm always learning and try to learn from any circumstance which is around me even if it's negative I'll learn not to repeat it mm-hmm. so that's how it is but the support that first responders really deserve is something that I believe uh, the government has come to understanding that this is the type of support you guys need and deserve and I hope it works the program works for all of you
1: it's working It's out there, it's working, people are taking hold of it. And I've said this a million times, I think the the biggest thing where you guys really made the difference was you listened to the first responders. You came to us and said, what what has worked and what hasn't worked for you guys? Or what will work for you guys? And that's, I think, the biggest difference is nobody has ever taken the time to sit down and talk to us and ask us what we wanted. We were always told this is what you're going to get, but no one ever took the time to sit down and listen to what the first responders had to say.
2: Well, we need to understand one thing, and that is this program is yours, Mm -hmm. not the universities or others. You guys are creating this program for ourselves. We are your consultants to help you to do what you guys want to do. You know your pain. I read about your pain. I see your pain. But you know your pain. You live your pain. And that's why we have to understand every single part of difficulties that our first responders, regardless of their discipline, they go through and uh, try to work on it for you.
0: What advice can you give to other states that are looking to support similar programs? I know there was a big effort here in Michigan to really push this to make it happen, and Wayne State University was the one who became the fiduciary for Frontline Strong to make all of this happen. I'm sure as we grow this, and as Mike has said, we're already experiencing people tell us it's working. We hope to see more evidence to measuring the impact of that, but as other states tend to do this as well and and mirror this, what advice do you have for other states or systems that are willing and wanting to put together a similar structure like the FST-5?
2: That's a difficult question to answer. I don't see myself to be in a position to tell other states what to do, what not to do. However, I have some comments, and that is the reason, or one of the reasons, that we dared to take on this responsibility was because of dealing with many of you guys in emergency rooms, coming there because of suicidal ideation, coming there because of self-medication being uh, overdosed or drunk or whatever else and unfortunately witnessing when they bring for example patient to us which they have had struggles with they are enduring such an emotional pain and they have difficulty calming themselves down so the struggles that they had on the street with a person still is continuing As I'm trying to get information from them and they start, without wanting or realizing, arguing and continue the argument that they had, for example, in the car or when they arrested the individual. So over years, I saw this uh, pain and I was always telling myself that we need to do something about this. This needs to stop. They don't deserve it the public and the person who is being arrested for whatever reason, if he has mental illness or intoxicated or was disorderly, also needs to be dealt with as such that instead of getting more aggravated, to comply with them. And there are ways that we can do it. So that's why we take on this responsibility, and I hope that we will be able to grow it as much as possible. And I am very optimistic because of the involvement of you guys, because if you guys do not get involved, then we just need to close shop, and it's simple. So I don't know what to tell others in other states.
0: I think you did, sir.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's a complicated question, um, because the states are also very different, but um, one thing for sure is that states are gonna have to get to know their first responders.
0: Thank you for listening to the Minds on the Frontline podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We have more great content coming out soon. Thank you for listening and have a great day.